1924 when he threw rocks around a canyon down into the modern age he's been a boon companion though many folks have seen him know now none of them have held him or brought a decent hair sample to dr jeffrey meldrum if you're walking through the woods one night and you see a vague footprint Build a mold and cast that bitch, cause it could be a hit. But if you've never seen a Sasquatch, just seek and you will find. Because Bigfoot is a state of mind. Yes, Bigfoot is a state of mind. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hidden Zoo, where every week or so we make fun of an animal that probably doesn't exist. My name is Don. With me, as always, is Blake. Hey, Dad. Hi, Blake. And we have a Happy special guest. St. Patrick's Day most. Oh, yeah. Next week. This week? Wednesday? I don't know. Everybody's puking in the streets, like, now, so I don't know what day it is. So, St. Patrick's week? All right. Sorry, I interrupt. We, totally have, interrupt we have a special guest this week. First time we've had a guest that neither of us knows. Uh, you may know him from uh, his multi-time guest and one-time presenter. One-time presenter on Behind the Bastards? At least once? Um... Let's one, one, two, three, four, five. By the time this this episode airs, five. Oh, five times you've been on. What? So, anyway, five times. Five times I've hosted. Five times you've hosted. Two times I've guested. Okay. Yeah. Uh, damn. I I know I'm fully caught up. I guess I just underestimated it. And I have two more episodes airing on. I've one episode airing tomorrow nice. and one episode airing in like next week. And yeah, exciting. And uh, also, he was a uh, writer and I would I would say producer. Would you call yourself a producer on Uprising? Writer, producer, narrator, yeah. yeah. Um, both of which are superior podcasts to ours. Uh, he is far superior. Oh, no. <laughs> he is uh, a journalist out of Portland covering the Portland Uprising last summer. Uh, Garrison Davis, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, everybody else. Uh, Garrison, yeah, hi. Thanks, thanks for being here on our, on, on our show. Absolutely. I, it's good that you stalled for so long because I was—I had like a Reese's peanut butter cup in my mouth. I was trying to quietly <laughs> chew to get rid of so I could talk. So that was good. Yeah, I just listed all your credits because I've been like over the last couple of days. I'm like, okay, I, get it, I need to say the things that he did to introduce him. And there we vamped. Okay, so Yay. Don, Don does all the research. He'll figure this out real quick. Yeah. Um, Don does the research. I mostly just color comment on. <laughs> even when I'm supposed to do research, I pretty much just like read it off the internet. What right <laughs> time calls me out on it? <laughs> I, I forget which one you did, but it was just an excuse for us to talk about the movie Congo for 40 minutes. It was. It was. It was 100 percent just a setup to talk about to, to talk about Congo. the melting monkey face in Congo. <laughs> so we were we were Garrison's on here because he said on Twitter to bring me on your podcast to talk about Star Wars. And I was like, well, we do that all the time. And we were talking about Star Wars right before I started recording. And I was like, stop, stop talking, because this this stuff's <laughs> supposed to go on the show. And yeah. it, um, we stopped when we were discussing the book, The Crystal Star, whose villain was an evil table. Yes. I am unfamiliar with this particular I, literary. It had where it's space werewolves, and I remember loving it when I was a kid. But apparently, it's really, really like deeply unpopular. As yeah, a lot, a, a lot of those. That, that I think that's the case for a, any of the books that like aren't like the Zon stuff. I think yeah. that's, that's that's probably the case. It's like those and the Jedi Academy trilogy, which isn't as good as the Zon stuff, but it's by far Kevin J. Anderson's best stuff because he he was mostly like real. He wrote real hacky Star Wars stuff. 
But M- most of most of the '90s Star Wars books was real was real wacky. Yeah, it's like not, and even the Zahn stuff is like, okay, so you know how you name a clone? You just add a U to their name. Yeah, so, you make, you make like, the vowels go longer. Yeah, and so, Luke. but how do you pronounce it? Is it real? Is it is it really Luke Skywalker? Uh, because that so, sounds like something from like a mid two thousands YouTube series. Oh, dude! Imagine if Yoda had That's to terrible. talk to if Yoda had to talk to all these clones, where he's like, and, and <laughs> he's got to say Luke for like an hour. <laughs> Frank Oz is like, "You're killing me!" Every time you make a clone of the clone, you add another vowel. Oh man, That's you terrible. Get, you get just a real bad, like a messed up looking Luke, and his name is like Luke. Uh, uh. Like in multiplicity, you get like the 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 last clone is not 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 too bright because the well, DNA a clone is of a clone of a clone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, by the way, have you seen the movie Multiplicity, Garrison? No. It is a. It is a. It sounds bad, but it's surprisingly funny. Michael Keaton plays himself and three clones of himself. Like he he, he just plays Michael Keaton. Yeah. Basically, it, it's yeah. three okay, slightly. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's three slightly different Michael Keaton yeah, and one very different. He's Michael not. Keaton. He's not doing his like latter day. I'm actually a great character actor thing. He's doing his. Yeah. I'm. I'm just going to be a silly comedy guy, and he gets a clone of himself so he can go to work. Like the clone can work and he can stay home, but then they make another clone to deal with his wife so he can just goof off in like his guest house. But then those two clones make a clone of themselves. Okay. Yeah. I've pro- I've seen a few like animated kids tv shows on this with the same concept yeah so it's not, it's not the most original premise no but, yeah no but like what it, it's surprisingly funny and then the copy of the copy clone is very good-hearted but not too bright and he calls everyone steve and then one night all the clones have sex with his wife but she just thinks she's having sex with her husband four times and uh and and that's, that is that is that is that is pretty good that's a pretty good gag and then the last clone initiates sex by saying that's my peppy and she's like oh i see that it is and somehow that gets her going so multiplicity huh. <laughs> it sounds dumb but it has its moments yeah i don't know i don't know don you were describing it yeah, I know. Okay, I just fuck kind of you. Made it slightly worse. I, if if I bothered to edit, I would edit all that out now, but I'm not going to. Uh, so, um, but yeah, and then, but the one that I hated the most because I, I remember liking the Crystal Star. I hated Children of the Jedi. I hated the one where one was Luke. That? that was the one where Luke got kidnapped by like an AI spaceship, got his ass handed to him by a bunch of Gamorians with axes, and oh, then had okay. sex with a ghost. I, I do. One of the best things about Legends is that there's a lot of ghost sex. Yeah, like a, like way too much. Even with Emperor Palpatine, it's <laughs> it's with. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of ghost sex. There's a whole bunch of like ghosts like becoming other live living people. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of weird nonsense ghost stuff that's really funny to look at in retrospect. Yeah, and and Children wonder, of the Jedi, the ghost like became a living person by just possessing the corpse of somebody the, else. The, the, yeah, like the, the the child of Han and Leia. And. Uh, <laughs> And when, it, was, oh. when was the movie Ghost? Like the early 90s, right? No, like 90, 89, 90. So maybe they thought like, man, ghosts are pretty hot right now. <laughs> Sexy ghosts, pretty hot right now. 
And yeah. Star Wars has ghosts. It has, yeah, it has force ghosts. It has blue force ghosts. We should get these involved with ghost sexiness. But I, I love the tug of war that you could see between the, the Legends authors. Because Barbara, Ham- Barbara Hambly wrote Children of the Jedi, and she introduced the ghost character to be like Luke's, Luke's lady friend. And then the very next book in the chronology was Darksaber by Kevin J. Anderson, which wrote her out of the series. Yeah. And then, like, a couple of years later, Timothy Zahn did the Thrawn duology, which was set later in the timeline, where Luke got married to Mara Jade, which is like, okay, now they, no one can bring back Callista. That was her name. That No one could possibly bring back Ghost Lady as a romantic interest. We all hate this book. And also, Mara Jade, my, uh, my Mary Sue self-insert, is now married to Luke Skywalker. Hi, I'm Timothy Zahn. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually uh, met Timothy Zahn uh, a, a few times. I, I have a, I got him to write a fake uh, a, a fake Thrawn quote That's on awesome. uh, on one of my books. There's a, there's another Star Wars podcast I used to really like a few years ago who loved to make fun of Thrawn as you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they and they had this fake line that they always made Thrawn say. And so I got Timothy Zahn to autograph this book and and write and write down the line. I was very pleased with myself. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Do you, what's the line? Um, fuck. What is the line? Uh. Let, let me I, let me check my Star Wars book. <laughs> I don't remember. It's been so long. Well, he, well while he's checking his book, um, I have a I have a fake George R. R. Martin <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire book signed by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> okay, I got the I got the book. Let's see. Open it up. It's in here somewhere. Where did he sign? Here it is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, poison is the sweetest meat, <laughs> <laughs> which is very fun to which is which is very fun That's to really, say in like really a sh- it's, it's really fun to say in like a Sherlock Holmes accent or something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 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 real fun, especially like yeah, I, I, um, the guy who they got to voice Thrawn in uh, in Star Wars Rebels. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would love to hear him say this stupid-ass Thrawn line. <laughs> well, now now when he that guy does a con and you run up to the mic, you have uh-huh. a fucking rad question. You're like, my question is... <laughs> Can you say... Like, well, my question starts with a story. Is that Timothy Zahn signed stuff... And you can get him to write Thrawn quotes. <laughs> Here's mine. And can you please say it? And you know he would be, he would be excited. To did, be like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Did you tell him that that was a fake quote? Or were you just like, hey, can you write this Thrawn quote? And he had written so much Thrawn he didn't remember. I think, I, I, think I just told him to write this Thrawn quote and he just wrote it. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that one. Uh... <laughs> Oh, and I, put, I put that one in the recent bloody. Marvel comics. That's pretty oh, bad. Yeah, pretty oh, pretty great. fun. I uh, I year, about ten years ago at Gen Con Indianapolis, I managed to have a lunch with Michael Stackpole, the author of the X Wing books. Yes. Oh, I, fun. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I've read almost all of. I have read. I've read you. all of his, and I read his <laughs> books are the ones that if I if I gun to my head if someone was like go back and read more Legends books, and I haven't read a Star Wars book in a long time, I'd be Good. like I'd be like okay, I'd go. I'm gonna go read the Stackpole stuff because it's mostly not jedi centric like even the one called i jedi is it spends a little bit of time like at the jedi academy but then i jedi very fun corn lorne 
but yeah, he was a pretty cool dude. Like he taught uh, me and me and my uh, friend were like, "Hey, um, a bunch of years ago, you wrote." He wrote something called the Polling Report, which was just like a a very rational breakdown. Uh, the name was like Barbara Polling or something. She was one of the ladies who was like, "D and D is the devil." And in the okay. early like the early internet like Usenet days, he wrote a treatise basically about why she's full of shit. And and I was like, "This is really interesting. We'd like to talk to you about it." Can we buy you lunch? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I, whatever. And uh, he taught us like a bunch of card tricks and told us like what <laughs> told us what it was like writing that and like being a and d player back in the 80s, back when all these people were trying to say it was evil. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, it's not something I think about too often, but that, that memory just popped into my head knowing that you had Zahn sign a fake quote. <laughs> but on Corin Horn, that made me think of... Yeah, I would Horn. love... We have... Don and I goof back. This is like our text game that we remember like every couple of months is to come up with names for cats from cats. <laughs> if you just so go like we'll Brum- just Brumble Keister. Like, like Gumble Bumper. Yeah. If you and didn't we'll know just... cats, like, yeah, Gumble Bumper. Yeah, he's the, he's the yeah. jellical cat. Sure. And so it sounds like a cat. We need to start up doing Star Wars names. <laughs> Star Wars names. Yes. Yeah. Like single single syllable noun verber. Yeah. That's that's how you get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you just take like a regular name and just cut out some sounds. Like it's Axander Skumsk. <laughs> where it sounds like a real name, but you just left out some letters. I, I may have told the story on the show before. Garrison, are you familiar with the time the uh I, I read this God, I think I think Polygon covered it. Uh the, the time that the developers of The Force Unleashed asked Luke, or at Luke Skywalker, they asked George Lucas, <laughs> can you say, hey, is it cool with you if we give Starkiller <laughs> an official Darth title? Because they felt like that would make him feel more legit, and Starkiller uh-huh. was just like his code name. And yeah. George says, oh, yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, you can use Darth Icky or Darth Insanius. And I guess they like they were all really quiet for a few seconds, waiting for him to be like, "No, I'm just joking." And he never said that. Like he Good. he was serious. Well, you know, you you know the whole dumb thing like um, uh, how let's see, what was it? Um, the whole, I think in episode two when uh, when Obi Wan goes to Kamino and they're like, "The old Jedi Master Sifo Dias was here," and you know how Sifo Dias got his name it was because George Lucas originally was just making Sifo Dias be um, Palpatine. So it was, so originally it was Jedi Master Sidious because it's just Darth Sidious. <laughs> but then, but then he changed it so they weren't the same person. But he left the name, <laughs> and it was just there. So that's that's oh that's a fun God. little George Lucas. Um, do not, do not question the genius of the man. I think one of the best things out of Episode Two, which okay, be completely honest, I don't know that I've seen Episode Two since it was in the theaters. It is but my it's, least. It's the worst. It's, it's yeah, the worst Star Wars. It's my least favorite. Yeah. The guy who's like, hey, you want to buy some death sticks? He has that a is name. good. Cause, cause that it, is yes. <laughs> um, it was what, what is it? It's a like a Leon Sleazebagio or something. Bagano. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very funny. But it's like okay. George, that's Harry Sleesbergano. I, I bet you, I bet you don't know why he's called Sleesbergano. No, George, tell us why that's his name. But that like, goes back to Jedi because I remember reading in Star Wars Insider in the '90s, back when it was like, "Oh, we're doing a special edition," and so we put all these magazines out and tell you all about everything. Uh, Reyes, the the goat looking dude with three eyes, is just, he's Reyes uh, because it sounds kind of like three eyes. That's dumb. Yeah. Oh, it's solid. Star Wars is Star Wars is so dumb. No, but great. I, I love it because the one that I I saw yesterday or today, I forget what I was looking at. 
I was on one of the prop forums looking at something, and there was a character yeah, named too. like his name was like the Jason Purr or something. <laughs> that makes sense. And it was it was just and it was just somebody's cat's name, and they just made it like sound Star Wars. It's like yeah, my cat's name is Jason, so I called him like. G, G, put a D in front of it. And put a D, then put an apostrophe. apostrophe yes. And then, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, oh, thank, oh, thank you, Star Wars. Oh, it's great. And uh, then they've got the three three of the guys on, on Java Sail Barge are named after the the, the magic words in um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yeah. Klaatu, Klaatu Barada, I... Nikto. Except it's not Klaatu Barada, Nikto. It's Klaatu Verada, Nikto. And I guess they just weren't listening close enough. <laughs> I, I did not I did not know that. That's something else I learned from the Star Wars Insider. I don't <laughs> I what, what, species, what, species, what species are these guys done? Uh, I, I think those are their species names actually. I used to pirate Star Wars Insider. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I pay I had paid subscription to that shit. Like like a loser. <laughs> it came to your house? Yeah, I also had I also had a subscription to Wolverine Comics for two years. Marvel would mail me a comic to That's my good. house. That's good. I, I I I can approve that. But Star Wars Insider, I I can't I can't approve. I, no, I can't approve paying for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some guy some guy in the mail at the mail the post office sorting room is like, man, we gotta like write this dude up for Fangoria or something. <laughs> man, I would have hated that. I hated horror movies when I was a kid. I still don't love the concept, but there are a lot of good horror movies. Um, hey, Garrison, I forgot. I wanted to make you feel at home, so I brought my machete. Nice. And I brought my 1911. Just so very nice. Just so you could feel <laughs> a little bit more like you're on your you're on your home turf. I was supposed to. I was. We went out shooting yesterday. We were gonna, we were driving up the mountain. We had I don't know probably about like a dozen rifles or something. A, 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 a ridiculous amount of rifles. Um, <laughs> Heading up on the mountain. And then right when we got to like, I don't know, maybe like half a mile away from the shooting spot, we got stuck in the snow. Um, Extremely embarrassing. (laughs) And then we needed to hike miles down the mountain carrying all these rifles because we couldn't get the car out. And we needed to call for help because there's no, like, reception up there because it's the mountain. So you have to, like, hike down to where there's, like, reception. We eventually had to hike down to, like, where other people were. Then they drove us to the spot where there's reception. We called for help. <laughs> eventually, we ma- eventually, we made it back into Portland. The car is still stuck up there. Oh, God, that um, sucks. Yeah, it so sucks. This, where, where were you, what mountain were you stuck on? This is a, uh, one of the sides of Mount Hood. All right. I mean, that's... Yeah. Imba- pretty embarrassing. Oh, that sucks. Did everybody you, freak out? Like you walked down the mountain with like fifteen rifles and like, what do you want? No, no. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was carrying like at least five rifles. <laughs> you, get ex- you get to explain to everybody outside of the Northwest that the rest uh, of Oregon is not Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. You're like for like thirty minutes out of Portland, you're basically in Idaho. Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the Eastern Oregon is very like y'all look like, like you country. Yeah, y'all got any books in there? <laughs> you don't cotton to that around here. Like, wait, what? I'm still in Oregon, right? Okay. Like, you think you is? Look, I have I have a book, but it's just because I cut out a hole that's gun shaped in the middle. That that is pretty good. I got one book, son, and God wrote it. <laughs> wrote it himself in English. <laughs> All right. It's like it's like everywhere but Portland wants to just join Idaho. Yeah, kind of. 
Because they're yeah. like, I don't want to wear a mask or read a book or like listen to things that aren't me or care about people who's who are different from my how I am. No. I just want to join Idaho where it's fine to hate Mexicans. Shit. I, I visited a friend in Roseburg, which is, God, I think it's like an hour and a half south of Eugene, little town. And uh, we were looking for a katana for a something we were shooting. And we went to all the thrift stores in Roseburg, and, like, all of them had Nazi flags. Like, not historical That's, Nazi flags. Like, yeah. new in bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's, I thought you meant, like, hanging up. That sounds like Oregon. No, no. On, on, on a turn, on like a one of the fucking magazine rack spinners, but, you know, with hangers for, with, with flags. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I want to start. That does sound like Oregon, yeah. I, I want to start uh, with this week's cryptid because this is, this one's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a long episode uh, because I, I was telling both of these guys before I started. Oh, how started how recording. long are we talking about, Tom? I don't know. We'll find out. It kind of depends on how much you guys interject. Um, <clears throat> typically I write about a page, page and a half. I've got two pages. So it's still right. like, it's still oh not like a, like a treatise. It's probably like 20 minutes of reading plus 20 more minutes of, 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 of us talking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. We tend to get off on long tangents, but th- We're this one. rip this dissertation apart. All right. So I. Th- You'll never th- get your doctorate from us, mister. It's, uh. That's fine. I don't need a doctorate in cryptozoology. That, that will get me nowhere. You don't have enough leather hats better, to go with them. Better, better, better than a journalism degree. Yeah, probably. True. That this doesn't really cost you anything. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you've been hanging out with Robert Evans. Yeah, who also doesn't have a journalism degree. I talk shit about journalism school all the time. Good. Yeah. On. Good on you. All right. So um, I'm kind of glad just, that this actually got pushed it. to this week because uh, on your own. This coincidentally, Garrison, I didn't realize I was doing this, but you you are guesting on our hundredth episode, and it's oh, like, fun. yeah, this isn't like. Um, oh, yeah, do you have the air horns for our hundredth. No, I forgot to load up the air horns oh. on the YouTube video. Yes, sir. This is this is number one hundred, <laughs> and this is a cryptid we have never officially covered, but we talk about it like every other episode. Uh, Blake, I know you're familiar with it. Garrison, how familiar are you with Deloy's Ape? Have you ever heard of that? What? We're sure we've talked about Deloy's Ape. We've never right? covered it officially. I don't really? think I, I don't think I've heard of this. Okay, I'm going to uh, put a link in the chat uh, right there. All right. <laughs> Blake, you know exactly what this picture is. Uh-huh. And Garrison, describe it to us when you get it open. All right. Well, here we go. Open it up. Open it up to go. Oh, God. Right? Um... <laughs> huh okay it's uh horrible so, in every way so the first thing that's really uh concerning to me is that it has hands for feet yeah i, I mean um, those those look like hands for feet um so it's it's essentially it's in like the bigfoot chewbacca genre mm-hmm. but the face <laughs> is very unique um i don't quite know how to describe it it has like i guess like a, a flat nose big big eyes on the sides and a huge mouth like the proportions are quite odd yeah uh, and uh and there's a stick holding its shin up because it is dead yes it, it, okay this is dead uh it also it also looks a bit like the live action grinch if you look at, like <laughs> oh shit it does oh, <laughs> like, 
Ooh, it does. <laughs> the way, like, the fingers curl and, like, the hair curls, it looks a lot like the live-action Grinch. Oh, my God. It's gen- I never put that together. Maybe that's why I don't oh. like that movie. Maybe that's part of the reason I don't like that movie. <laughs> Fresh perspectives. Wow. Yes. We, somebody... need to, we need to put Jim Carrey Ooh. in this suit Ooh. and see what happens. Eight. So this – we talk about this a lot because this picture traumatized both me and Blake from a young age. Just like finding this in a cryptozoology book in like second grade going, oh my god, it's creepy yeah, as fuck. The, the, thing, the thing that got me as a kid was the Jersey Devil. That's mm-hmm. that. That's the one that freaked me out, and I was like paranoid of like I I, I, I was like was like was talking about like I'll, I'm I'm never gonna go to Jersey. I'm never because the thing was just too creepy. Like that's um, that's your reason for never going to Jersey. Not, that's that's the reason I have. Not it, no. not it's Jersey. Not I have an no. irrational hatred of Bruce Springsteen. It's, no, it's it's just because the Jersey Devil freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. Hey, whatever works, man. Whatever keeps you out of there. Good point. <laughs> Doesn't so, matter. So. Deloy's ape is named after one of the guys who supposedly discovered it, a guy, a Swiss, <clears throat> a Swiss man named Louis Francois Fernand Hector Deloy's. He was a geologist and he was an early pioneer of petroleum geology, oil geology. So he'd go out and like try to find where there would be oil so people could dig and uh, ruin the environment. It's pretty great. And, uh, I don't know much more about him because you Google Francois Deloy and what you find is Deloy's ape over and over again. In fact, even his Wikipedia page is 90% dedicated to the story of this cryptid. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and so what we know uh, about about him up to then was basically what I just said. He was an early oil geologist. And this story supposedly takes place in the jungles of Venezuela and Colombia in 1920, he was tromping through the rainforest with a team of diff- other folks looking for oil. And this is important. Uh, uh, he was working for a company out of the Netherlands. I'm not making up the name of this company. It was Colon Development. Good for them. Yeah. And maybe it's Cologne Development. I don't know. No, but it's definitely nope. spelled Colon Development. Nope. We, no matter what, we need to say Colon Development. That's not, it's more funny. <laughs> so the Colon Development oil team. Pitch camp near a river called the Tara River one day, and they were confronted by a pair of what Deloys initially took for small bears. But then he realized that they were five-foot-tall bipedal primates, a male and a female. They started making angry noises. They started throwing rocks and sticks and poop, you know, like like you do. And uh, the men of the team decided they were in danger, so they started shooting. And they injured the male, and the male ran off. Oh, kitty. 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 <laughs> and... Uh, now. They shot the female dead, and that's the female that you're looking at in that picture sitting on the crate. Uh, So they took the corpse, they propped it up on this crate of indeterminate size, they crammed a stick under its chin, and proceeded to traumatize uh, children nearly a century later. Supposedly, they skinned the creature, and they kept its skull. They wanted to take these things back to civilization to, to say, look, we found this new creature. But neither the skin, the pelt, nor the skull uh, made it back to civilization. The skull supposedly started decaying because they were using it as a salt container. Which, is, okay. like, okay. You, have, you have this thing of immense biological interest, so you use it to store condiments. Yeah, and yeah. and also salt. Well, you can't put, you can't put ketchup I, in there, Don. Gross. Did I did I ever tell you about the time I found a a, a like a Bigfoot skull and I just used it as like my mustard squeezer? Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. what else are you gonna like, do with it? What else are you gonna do with it? 
<laughs> no one's going to care. Like, you could juice lemons on them, right? Oh, yeah. I assume they'd be kind of pointy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I see where you're going with juice this. lemons. I'm, I'm getting the visual, yeah. I'm just spot you on. Yeah. Trying to be practical in case I ever find one. So, uh-huh. the, but then, like, salt is a preservative, right? Like salt's gonna take it's gonna yeah. suck the moisture. You, you out actually you, you like, actually store you actually store bones in salt to dry them out and preserve right. them. Right, so it's not gonna uh, rot because there's salt in it. It shouldn't. No, and, and like I just just the the weirdness of these guys going like, well, we got this ape skull. What are we gonna? We, it needs a practical use. Hey Jim, put some salt in the apes in in the in the disgusting ape skull that we just pulled out of its fleshy head. <laughs> yeah, sure, that'll be great on our jerky. So, um, uh, there were also supposedly more pictures than just this one. This is the only remaining evidence that this thing ever existed. And they were very conveniently lost, either in a flood or when one of their canoes capsized. There are two different stories, which is always okay. always a sign that something is true. Yeah. Uh, so, regardless of how he lost everything, Deloitte exited the jungle with only that creepy picture and then proceeded to forget about it for nine years. He just, like, put this photo in one of his journals from the expedition. Now it's 1929. Enter Swiss-French anthropologist Georges Montandon. He was a friend of Deloitte's, and he supposedly happened upon the picture when he was, like, flipping through one of Deloitte's, uh, one one of his logbooks, one of his travel notebooks, and the picture just fell out. And he pressed Deloitte's for details. According to Deloitte's, who went on to kind of tell that story to Montandon and elaborate on the creature itself. It had no tail. It had 32 teeth, which is interesting because humans have 32 teeth and apes are not apes, but South American primates, uh, the new world primates have 36 teeth. Okay. So, okay. It's more human like there, more ape like, uh, and, uh, Montandon, like he took this and ran with it. He's the reason that this picture exists on the internet. We're talking about this at all. In 1929, he published an article about it. He spoke about it at the French Academy of Sciences in Paris. He declared it to be a new genus and species of native, uh, Amer- not Native American ape, Amer- an American ape, an ape native to the Americas. There we go. Yes. He yeah. called it Ameranthropoides loisi, named after Deloise. Deloitte wrote an article about it, too, for the Illustrated London News, noted scientific periodical, the Illustrated London News. It's also worth pointing out that that year Deloitte published a full account of his expedition with the uh, with the Colon Development Company. Didn't mention the ape once. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Right. So there's definitely yeah, there's definitely some trickery going on here. Yeah. So uh, Montandon was he was the big pusher for this thing, and his claim that there was this American ape made a big splash in the French scientific scene and basically nowhere else. Scientists across Europe, in England, and the Americas thought he was completely full of shit. Basically, none of them took him or Deloitte seriously. And he tried to strengthen his case for Ameranthropoides by doing something that we talk about on this show a lot. Uh, white people do it all the time when they're trying to prove a fake thing is real. They misinterpret native culture and mythology. So, <laughs> yeah. like, he found, like, a whole bunch of things that vaguely resembled a mysterious beast from different South African cultures. Uh, yeah. The, there is the uh, Guayazi, which is an evil dwarf. 
Uh, Kanaima, which is an evil spirit that possesses people, and apparently it sounds more like a Wendigo than an ape. Like, it turns them into a ravenous, murderous demon when it possesses them. So, hmm. not not a Sasquatch kind of thing. The Vestiri, which I can't yeah. find any... I can't find what the Vestiri actually is in its native culture, because there's a quest in Path of Exile called Wings of the Vestiri, and that's all that comes up when you Google Vestiri. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting... Because looking at the picture here, it is hard to tell what size this mm-hmm. thing is. Yeah, that's that's um, that is significant. Like, there's the, nothing there of, to reference. There's really there's really no good reference. There's like there's like leaves and stuff around, but there's really nothing that's a pretty good reference. Like, like this thing could easily be like three feet tall, right. or it could be like six feet tall, and I really have no way to tell uh, with this. And you, you just kind of have um, to take Deloy's uh, word at the size of the crate. And according to him, the crate was like, he said like, I don't know, 15 centimeters or something. Whatever it was, when you scale it up, the thing is just under five feet high. Okay. According, that's Hmm. what, that's how he said. But then, I mean, we don't know how big that, we don't even know what was in that crate or what it would be. Um, The only one of these creatures that apparently does bear a passing resemblance to like a monkey man is is a creature called the Didi. But like, regardless... When white people take a story from a native culture and say, this is the thing that I think it is, it's just like, it's dumb. Yeah, we've seen that before, and it's all really bad, yeah. So, uh, the skeptical scientists, which uh, is, you know, almost all of them, they point out a few obvious facts. First, it's not just the size of the creature we need to take Deloitte's word for. It's basically everything, because he brought back nothing but this photo. The number of the teeth, its behavior, the fact that it was bipedal, it didn't have a tail. Um, You already mentioned there's no way to know how big the thing is, which is like, if you look at it and you think about it for 10 seconds, you go, oh, yeah, there's, like, like, you just did. Like, I didn't tell you that. You just figured it out. Uh, and then there's like nothing else that can be used as a size reference. There are some plants in the version of the, the photo yeah. that I sent you. That's the full version. What you usually okay. see is a cropped version, which is like portrait or oh yeah, so you would see the even eight, less, right? And uh, some scientists pointed out that the plant that's kind of down into the left, it's like by yeah. the ape's right foot, appears yeah. to be a banana plant. Bananas are not indigenous to South America. Yeah, I can I can I can see that. <laughs> and so either the picture was not taken in South America or they were in an area that bananas were being cultivated, which means it's probably not the deep jungle that they claimed it was. No, it would right? have been a place that I mean yeah, cuz like the background is very flat. It look it looks like a, it look based on the reflections, it looks like it could be next to like a big body of water mm-hmm. or it could just be a field that has different, you know, levels of dead and alive yeah. plants. I mean, it's it's a, um, a gradient old of photo. Like there's not much you can get out of it. No, yeah, it is it, it doesn't look super jungly. Like like there's there, there's trees in the way way background, mm-hmm. but like the immediate background almost looks like a body of water. Um I'll be be right back. Where are you going? Okay, Blake's leaving us. We'll, we'll soldier on without him. He knows to always say. Okay, so most importantly, this is the most important thing, uh, is the fact that Deloise Ape happens to look exactly like a Talus Belzebeth, a native species of spider monkey. Oh, really? What's, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you spell that? Uh, it is uh, A-T-E-L-E-S. A-T-E-L-E-S? B-E-L-Z-E-B-U-T-H. E say that again. <laughs> B-E-L-Z-E Booth. B-U-T-H. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. And okay. It, yeah, I mean, they're pretty similar. It, I mean, yeah, it, like, the thing that's the most similar is the hands and feet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, cause yeah, it looks like it has hands for feet and like the fingers are super long. Right. And like um, hand, hands for feet is speaking, speaking as uh, an anthropology major, um, hands for feet is how, you know, something isn't bipedal, at least not like it, maybe it can be like chimps and gorillas yeah. and orangutans can walk bipedally, but mostly they don't. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm looking at trying to find other pictures of, of like these of these actual animals' faces, and with like an old timey camera mm-hmm. and with light being weird, I could see reflections making. I could see like light reflections making the picture that we have here of of this you know mythical creature. Like I could I could see it being one of one of right. one of these sp- spider monkey things. I mean they they they, they do have a very flat nose. Mm-hmm. They do have eyes and like the in a in a similar spot. Their nostrils are pretty similar. I think the one thing that's interesting is that like the mythical one, its mouth is just huge. Um, yeah. Or but that also could just be the way shadows and light are. Yeah. Uh, or like the way the, it, maybe it's hanging open or like. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. like there's, there's a shadow obscuring the upper mm-hmm. lip, so it looks like there's a bigger right. negative space there than what there actually what, is. What What They're kind gonna... of struck me when I was looking at pictures of of the spider monkey species is the the ones in like modern coto- color photos look like they're a little hairier like this one doesn't look as shaggy as those ones but you know there there are explanations for that too and it could just be that the scientists in 1929 misidentified it and it's a different species of spider monkey but like yeah like the the big point is here like it is a spider monkey there is no question it's got the face of a spider monkey it's got hands and feet and feet hands like a spider monkey and if you look at its look at its crotch Please look at its crotch. I I, I have been. <laughs> it's hard you, to it's hard to not. I know that is the female, and my whole life I was confused about that until I started researching this. Female spider monkeys have a pseudo penis, like female hyenas. They have okay. A large, so that's what that thing yeah, is. Yeah, it's okay. a large clitoris that if you're if you don't know what you're looking at, you can think it looks like a penis. It, it, it kind of looks like a little dick. Yeah, yes, that looks exactly like a spider monkey clitoris. So, oh, all right, huh? So yeah, imagine um, the, the first guy who broke you know looking at this right here i don't think that's dick look at like really kevin you've been looking at that super close have you <laughs> well i got done looking at its tits a while ago it's not like it like, doesn't have cool well, big tits like a sasquatch <laughs> so i had to look down lower and see if i like that part of it so it is a dead spider monkey either they cut off its tail more on that later or it was just hidden by the angle of the photo. Like, it could have its tail yeah, draped you over. Yeah, because you could easily right. hide the tail based on the perspective of the and, photo here. And, and Deloitte himself did not push hard for this ape. It was Montandon who pushed for this. So this is where we take our left turn. Why was this such oh, a rem- pet I project? I actually remember this now. For George Montandon. This this is where, to me, this is where it actually gets interesting. I thought this was going to be like a quick, hey, and they saw the thing and it was a monkey. Ha ha, we'll laugh at how dumb it is. Uh, no. Um, George Montanon was one of those early 20th century anthropologists who was huge into scientific racism, which is like most of them at the time. It is most of them, yeah. Yeah, and and this was around the time when the, the way you tried to prove that races had inherent intellect differences was you'd take a skull from the whatever the races you define were. Which for, for, for Montandon, uh, as far as I can tell, it was uh, white, black, Asian, and Native American. But depending okay. on who you were and like how you how you divvied up humans, there there were like Oceania people uh, people from Oceania and the Pacific Islands were sometimes a separate race. Well, what you would do anyway is you would you would take the skull of one of your races and you hold it upside down and you'd cram it full of beans, and then you'd count the beans, and more beans means more smarts. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, like, it sounds pretty it's, science. It's science, me. right? <laughs> and so this is one of the many things that in every intro to anthropology class in every college in the world, there's going to be a lot of, so this is what we used to do, and you need to understand why this <laughs> is bad and how we really don't do this anymore, and we completely disavow all this crap. But so, yeah, this was the era that he came up in. And he was not just your run of the mill scientific racist anthropologist. He was he was extra racist. We know this because in 1940, he wrote a book called Comment Reconnaître le Juif. How to Recognize a Jew. Oh, God. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep. Oh, no. The same guy who's. Okay, great. Yep. You can still now, purchase why would this, this book. Be important in 1940 in I don't France? know. It's a good question. Oh, this sucks. You, you can still purchase this book on uh, Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And on Amazon, it has one five-star rating, but they didn't bother to type, like, a verbal review. So at least one person bought it and was like, this is great, but I don't want to attach my name to it. That sucks. Uh, I managed to find a PDF of it. Because okay. at one point, it appears it was, that it was circulated by... It was Steve by, O'Bannon, uh, wasn't it? What? No. It was Steve O'Bannon. No. It, the Loved PDF, it. it was in French. It was not translated to English. Um, <laughs> it was circulated by the French chapter of the World Union of National Socialists. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, via yeah. their, their website, which is now dead. But at the time, it was com, love and serve.com. Yep. Uh, the proprietor of Emetser was eventually given a three-year suspended sentence in 2012 for defending Nazism in the Holocaust, direct quote. All right. Uh, which is just, you know, I wish we could do some of that in America. Yeah. Um, Which is illegal in Germany and France. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I will. This is. I usually link to every source in the show notes. I am not going to be linking to this. No, media. don't, you don't, you don't, don't link to it. Yeah, there's no reason. I, to. I, I downloaded it and uh, I, I translated some of it. It's it's 22 pages of oddly formatted text. Like it's all centered, and the line breaks happen, and like in mid sentence, it'll just go to a new line. It's, I don't understand why. And then a bunch of large images of people with captions about why you can tell this person is a Jew. Is a Jew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this uh, this was actually oh. tough for me to translate. I I speak just – or I can read just enough French to figure out which portions I thought would probably be interesting. But it yeah. would not let me copy the text. It would only let me copy it as an image. So I had to do an image to text and then run the text through Google Translate. Yeah. So I didn't read the whole thing, I, I, but, but I did translate the entire introduction. And roughly, this is the introduction to Comment Reconnaître un Juif. Let's hear it. An individual sits down in front of you at the cafe, and you say to yourself, here is a Jew. That's, yep, you but, know, just a regular person. Yep. That's the first thought that goes into your head. Yep. You, you're always going, Jew or not a Jew? This is what everybody thinks hmm. whenever you're in public. I wish there was, like, a handy guidebook to really right? resolve this problem. Right, right. Well, George Matandon is here for you. He continues, but if you ask how you recognize that, it's often difficult for you to specify. A companion now sits next to the first individual. He is very different in appearance. However, you say to yourself, a second Jew. Oh, God. But this time you have even more difficulty in explaining your certainty. We will try to show why and how the Jews differ greatly from each other and yet are recognizable. For this, it is first necessary to give a very rapid overview of the history of the Jews, then of the situation of neighboring races within which the Judaic or Jewish type was created. 
So, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna just lift this out uh -huh. in context, okay, and and submit it for your TED talk. <laughs> Thanks. Like, John, his views on those people. Yeah, that's the worst. A, that's the, that's the a clip of you two. <laughs> I'm reading George Montanari. That's the worst part about doing behind the bastards is that you end up saying a lot of terrible things right. that people can clip out of context. <laughs> okay, uh, now I have to. Or or wait. or we make an infomercial where it's like black and white at the cafe, and you're like, Colonel, I know who's a Jew. I can't even do it. <laughs> And then, like, a holding a sparkle color, and then I hold like, up. You just need this book, my friend. Vince here for how to recognize a Jew. You're going to love my anti-Semitism. So, okay, that's the entire intro. I didn't bother to translate any of his history section. I don't need to know how he thought that, that Jews came corrupted from the other races that, like, Three of which he already thought were garbage compared to white people, but then Jews yeah. descended from them, became whatever. Um, so uh, I, I, I translated bits and pieces of it. I translated enough uh, to learn that Montadon thinks Jews, quote, give off a rancid odor. Okay. And that they are more prone to leprosy than other races. That's, right. Okay. Well, uh, everyone he, knows that. Yeah, it's just everybody. Everyone knows that. Uh, he also appears to engage in some certainly pseudoscientific blood type analysis at one point, where it's just like the blood type of the Jews, and he runs down like, oh, whatever. Um, didn't translate that part. I did translate the part called Recognizing a Jew. Uh, it right. boils down to the following characteristics, some of which may sound familiar from common anti-Semitic tropes. Yeah. A large nose. Yep. which he refers to as a vulture beak profile. Oh, God. Fleshy lips, often with a protruding bottom lip, which okay. he, he puts down to the uh, Jewish people who were descended from uh, Africans. Hmm. Yeah. So there's, like, further... Yeah. Yes. Category? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, How weird is it to think, like, someone, like, really thought about this? Yeah. He wrote a book a about lot. it. Uh, Sunken, and it, like probably said it to an editor, and the editor yep. like, yeah, great. Sunken beady eyes, curly hair, something else they may have interpreted or inherited from their African ancestors. He says, large and protruding ears. Which honestly, that was a new one for me. Um, I, I, none of my Jewish That's friends new herb. I mean, yeah. like all of this does kind of fit in with like um, <clears throat> the hungry merchant meme, right? Um, Right, that, 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 that is, you know, so that's a good sign of how much we've progressed as a society in the past hundred years. How we still have the same shit, yeah. but now, yeah. but now in meme form. I think about that a lot. Like my grandma is still around, and she's like super cool. You let measles and Nazis come back? What is wrong with you, idiots? <laughs> like we took care of this like eighty years ago. I mean, we, we actually did. Like the the problem is there is that most Americans. Their problem really wasn't with the anti-Semitism with the Nazis. Like yeah, they were actually that's... kind of on board with that at the time, which is why yeah. you get people like George Lincoln Rockwell mm -hmm. in like the next few decades really gaining popularity, and which is why we have our current situation now uh, with all of our different you know neo-fascist militias and neo-fascist groups, and even people who are more like casual in their anti-Semitism. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's an unpopular opinion, but the Greatest Generation was super racist. Yep, they just happened to <laughs> be nationalistic just, enough to fight They just happened to socialism. kick the shit out of someone more racist. Yeah. I, I read an excellent <laughs> book of uh, uh, about a year ago now about the German-American Bund 
and, yeah. and, how, and how mostly the people that fought against it were Jewish gangsters. Like Meyer Lansky was uh, was cool. the main character in that, and uh, a friend of mine is like had, is is his uncle Joe was Meyer Lansky's bag man. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> which, huh. which is pretty awesome. But then there was like, there were also like a, a couple, at least one judge who was on, who was like not the typical American, eh, whatever. They're just Jews who like, he knew he couldn't use his power to let, to, to, to like just send Nazis to jail for being Nazis. But he always looked the other way whenever something came up for prosecution. It was like, yeah, these Jewish guys beat up some Nazis at, you know, at Madison Square Good. Garden. He would just be like, yeah, about that, which was pretty, that was pretty cool. Like there were, that is, that is, that is, that is nice. There were Gentile allies, but like the fact that there were just a bunch of Jewish gangsters who would go out with baseball bats and beat the fuck out of Nazis is just, that's so Yeah. Cool. The, um, the first, the first <laughs> head of the police union here in Portland was a member of the German American Bund. Cool. Uh, yeah. Like during all the Nazis, stuff <laughs> oh, oh, don't worry you can reform that out right Port- portland yeah you, you whites only state or oregon you whites uh, oregon only state. yeah the, the, the whites only state yeah. yeah who who cheered when the nazis paraded in uh in, into town in, the, in like the tw- in like the late 20s or <sighs> early 30s yeah so uh continuing his his traits of of jewish people uh, slightly vaulted shoulders, by which I think it's that more of like it's the, like the hunched over yeah, kind it's, of thing. It's, it's more yeah. of the merchant thing you were talking about. Uh, yep. Hips. That, okay, I I tried to translate this like four or five different ways, like running it through different. Tra- this is what it says: hips easily wide or greasy. Okay, greasy, hip, wide, and greasy hips, and or grease. I don't know what a grease, greasy hips are. The word yeah, came out as greasy every time. So I maybe it was like a maybe it was like a cultural thing back then. They had like some like slang or something. Yeah, I, I, they're I don't just know. Uh, they're, they're just really greasy. You know, they're super greasy. Those guys, all those Jewish guys. Um, I looked. I did. I looked up. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with the term "happy merchant," so I looked it up. <laughs> it's it's basically. What how how Cartman thinks Jews are? It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen it before. I didn't know it had a yep. name. Yeah. Um, Jews have flat feet. They have quote the clawed gesture again with the the merchant guy. Yeah, like, yeah. Yep. yeah, that's that's in yep. here. Yeah, and a lanky or paddling gait. This is how you can tell Jews, no matter what area of the world they hail from or all these various things and this at, at this point is when he starts pointing out features of jewish people of various descent uh pointing out these okay. things he noticed so yeah he's uh he's a real real piece of shit yeah he seems like he seems he's yeah he seems like a real 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 garbage person yeah. um we're not done yet though he um he actually gets shittier that's but they they somehow always mm-hmm. manage to yep. like you oh we're at the bottom of the barrel he wrote a book called how to recognize jews no 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 you found that was a false bottom and the barrel continues down into the ground turn around it's like halfway through the murder show where it's like and then <laughs> he got a really good job no they're like oh and he turned it all around and didn't kill he the didn't, wife and he the didn't kids. he awesome. did not disavow this book and go jewish people are a really surprising murder show I'm yeah uh, i i renounced my racism my anti-semitism no uh in 1941 uh under the vichy government comment reconnaître le juif was turned into a large physical exhibition in vichy paris it Wait, opened, like with actual people? Yes. Yeah, so um, what do you mean, like with actual Jews? 
Yeah, like no, 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 no. Oh, sorry. Th- be- being at 1941 in Vichy, France, I thought it was not a human zoo. Thank God. It could, okay, like, that's what yeah, I was it could have been worse. Like, how, that you said I that. Thought, and I'm like, oh, my, not, oh how no. How do I not know this? I thought this was the worst. No, it can be worse. Uh, it can't. It could have been a human zoo. Uh, it, this, it, but uh, it did open two weeks after Paris's second major roundup of Jews. Uh, so, like, that's cool uh yeah it was it was put on by the inst uh, uh, institute d'etudes de questions juif the institute for the study of jewish questions jesus christ right? oh god <laughs> time is a flat circle yeah <laughs> nothing changes that, you're, that you're doesn't just, have any just, other any other any other connotations jewish questions you're just you're just describing youtube like two years ago yeah Gee, oh god so it, isn't this that, was isn't it depressing this like organization learn, was funded the more, by the, the Nazis. More historical things you learn, just the sadder you get. Yep. Yeah. Because it's Guess, the fucking same. So take yep. take some guesses at who was in charge of this. Because uh, not, not just not just the Nazis. That's too broad. Who was in charge of the Institute for the Study of Jewish Questions? I mean, I'm sure they're going to get a very reputable scientist. Um, mm, no, sorry, <laughs> wrong, sir. You fail. <laughs> it was the Gestapo. The Gestapo was oh, in charge wow. of the institution. For the study of Jewish questions. Whoa! All those famous uh, scientists in the Gestapo were the ones who were like, "This, this is how we study as a Jew." Um, That's what Gestapo stands for: is Geheime Staats Scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So this is a quote from a book called Secret State uh, Scientist called Jean-Paul Sartre and the Jewish Question, Antisemitism and the Politics of the French Intellectual by Jonathan Judakin. I was able to find that all the relevant things about this exhibition uh, are actually in the scan on Google Books, which is great because there would have been no time for me to order this and get it and read it. Uh, The exhibition included huge panels with diagrams, photos, text, caricatures, and enormous sculptures that sought rigorously to identify Jews from non-Jews, even as it asserted that, quote, the Jew was everywhere and nowhere, a visible embodiment of racial intermixing and cultural pollution that nevertheless remained disguised and camouflaged in the body politic. Yeah, that, that's that's how fascism works. Right. The enemy is both strong and weak. The right. enemy is everywhere, and the enemy is nowhere. Yep. This is yeah. That's this is it's, the, yeah. It's the same, tracks. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, it's it's uh, it's wait, funny. Hold, like, hold on, Dodd. Garrison, how old are you? I'm 18. <laughs> like, you. What? Yeah. I try to explain shit like this to like 40 year old men, and they're like, "What? <laughs> no, yeah." Huh? There's a there's a thing called Ur fascism that I've I can never read, heard it, read and, and, and learn how to identify. There are books written by scholars of fascism. That, yeah, I mean that's that, that's exactly what I thought. It's it's the strong and weak everywhere. No, trying to ex- explain like okay, so Jethro, how can the illegal immigrants be simultaneously useless and dangerous? How can, yeah? How can they be it's lazy? Like, oh, and taking all your jobs. Worthless. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, oh, they're worthless people that shouldn't have any rights or anything and can't do or know anything. They're, how they're, are they taking your job? And are also they're leeching off the government, and your tax dollars are paying for them, and they're yeah leeching and infecting our society, but also stealing our stealing all of our jobs. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing with Antifa. Like Antifa is both these like scrawny teenagers who live in their mother's basements and also the most yeah. the most terrifying force mm-hmm. that's, ever that's imaginable. The, that's the analogy yeah. I should have gone with is yeah. that progressives in general are limp-wristed sissies 
but also we need but if you put a black t-shirt on them then they're the most dangerous yeah. terrorists in the world and th- this is a through line in like <laughs> conspiracy theories too because the conspiracy theories they just apply it to them the government the powers that be the illuminati whoever who are simultaneously powerful and competent enough to secretly rule the entire world but yeah. also so dumb that they leave a breadcrumb trail of obvious clues that yeah. somebody who dropped out of third grade can follow yep. so i mean and 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 so like there's 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 kind of a through line of of like crypto fascism inherent in conspiracy theorizing which is which is not surprising given how much conspiracy theorizing involves anti-semitism yeah that's, there's a lot of a, a lot of conspiracy theories are rooted historically in anti-semitism even if the person who believes in the conspiracy theory doesn't like know that right it's still it's all the same talking points and that's how it originated mm-hmm. um and it's, it's a very short leap from being you know uh, just a regular conspiracy theorist who doesn't really consider anything about Jews at all to then becoming a full-out Nazi. Very mm. short leap. Uh, yeah. Uh, fun story. Uh, a number of years ago, my buddy Tom and I, who he's been on the show a couple of times, um, we we did uh, a conspiracy theory, a panel about conspiracy theories at Gen Con. Because the cool thing about Gen Con is it's 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 supposed to be about tabletop gaming, but like every other yeah. con, like, hey, I want to I want to do a panel about fucking cryptids. That was actually the genesis of this podcast. Where somebody came up after our cryptid panel and said, you guys should do a podcast. Well, awesome. that's, that's, I, w- I would yeah. love I would love to go to Gen Con someday. Dude, it's a t- yeah. it is an absolute blast. I am super sad that it didn't happen last year. Hopefully, it's happening this year. Um, because I have, I have, what, what was the cosplay we were going to do? Fuck. I can't remember. I did Haka a few years ago. Me and Blake did, have, have you seen the, uh, the professional with Jean Renault? No. Uh, he plays an assassin whose best friend is a houseplant. So Blake dressed as Jean Renault's characters and a character and I dressed as houseplant, which is pretty great. Fun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, if you ever come to Gen Con uh, and you need a place to crash, our, my wife and I bought our house with the intent, uh, intention of having enough beds and extra couches for to be a way station for Gen Con. It's it's a blast. Um, I, I, I will I will hit you up yeah. when I plan to go to Gen Con. Totally. I still can't believe they just let you have a, have a panel. Yeah, it's great. Like you just say I want to do like, this panel, yeah, and, and like, if there's room for it, they'll let you have it. But submitted, so, a, submitted a panel, and they said okay. Yeah, and at the conspiracy <laughs> theory panel. Um, it was it was like standing room only. Like we were super surprised at how many people were there. But all the way in the back, there was a guy who he came in wearing a black suit, black tie, shaved head, Ray Bans, and oh, an earpiece. No. And he just okay. sat in the back silently giving us a death glare the whole time. And we, it was the best fucking thing. And every once in a while we'd say something like, and this is why conspiracy theories are dumb. Hey, CIA guy, you're the checks in the mail for this shit, right? Like <laughs> I just, that's, that's, that is pretty fun. Yeah, like that's commitment to a bit. You just go to the the thing, cosplaying a CIA spook, and just sit there quietly the whole time. It's great. That is pretty good. So, anyway, um, so back to this uh, this book about the exhibition. <clears throat> the cover of the catalog showed an old bearded Jew clawing at the globe he sought to control. Uh, oh, in the God. rotunda of the exhibition was a statue that held the solution to the nefarious influence of the Jews in the form of a thirty foot high sculpture. Of a tall, attractive, and athletic young female, France, subduing a repulsive, greedy old man, the Jew, with her knees, and pushing another Jew down with her free hand. This this sucks. Yeah. This was up uh, from September of 1941 to the spring of 1942. And this is George Montandon's Science in Action. Yeah. So this is when I I decided that this, I couldn't, I, I was... 
Garrison, when you do a cryptozoology podcast, at least in our experience, you find out that the stories of the people involved end up being often more interesting than the creatures they claim to have seen. Like, huh. we, uh, I did one called uh, Owlman about a year ago, and Owlman is just, uh, we saw a thing, and it looked like a dude who was also an owl. Who was, yeah, yeah. And, but then there's a guy who was all into Owlman, Doc, Doc something or other. I can't remember his name, but he's, this, he's a, a middling famous cryptozoologist. Uh, and the story became about him because among uh, the other things he did, other than hunting for Owlman, was have a uh, a nude... Uh, a magical witch circle at Loch Ness to try to summon the Loch Ness monster. And like, okay, oh, that's, that's this right. guy is the story here. Less Owlman. This this motherfucker with all of his naked ladies going out skyclad <laughs> to summon Nessie. Way oh. more interesting. So, right. Um, this gets us to why. Why Montandon was so gung ho for this American ape? Okay, because he was a peculiar. He was a proponent of a very peculiar idea uh, in is, scientific racism. That I remember, he believed. I, don't, I didn't know anything about the, the Nazi. <laughs> the stuff Nazi in, shit. In yeah, the a, yeah. This. Uh, yeah, the Deloitte ape guy is a fucking Nazi. Um, but it's this part where that's the apes. Yes, you had you had to have a continental ape progenitor of each yes. human. You know, quote unquote race. Humans were not one species. There was not one speciation event in Africa and then a diaspora of humans across the globe. There were apes on different continents and different areas that all evolved separately into different types of humans. So Asians evolved from orangutans. Africans evolved from gorillas. And Europeans evolved from Cro-Magnon men. Which is interesting that white people were the only ones who evolved from an actual, like, hominid ancestor. Uh-huh. <laughs> hmm. I wonder why he said that. But it's like yeah. everybody else is just like, well, there's an ape over there, and they live over there. They must be, like, fucking orangutans live on islands. They live in the islands of Borneo and Sumatra. And he's like, yeah, Chinese people and Mongolians are all descended from from orangutans. Like, like- You're lacking, lacking a South American one. Yes, exactly. His theory didn't work if there wasn't an American ape. Like, the, the bell curve is incredibly stupid. Yes. But it's not this stupid. No. Like, <laughs> like, how? Right? Um, it's like the, oh. the, the bell curve at least has numbers that aren't just numbers of beans in a skull. You know, like oh they tried, they, they did, they tried much harder to obfuscate their assumption of racial uh, uh, inequality. So somebody didn't like give him a nudge and be like, hey, bro, you know about Australia, right? <laughs> what? Australia? No, I know no such thing. Yet? Australia, they like, there's people there. Yes. The British criminals, they're, they're in Australia. We? No, I mean, when they got there, there were already people there, stupid. Where'd they come from? Qua? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so I this, to say that in French. This completed his theory, uh, his, his theory. There was a native ape in America for the Native Americans to be descended from. And so in 1929, he finds Deloitte's creepy picture. Deloitte tells him this story about shooting a weird bipedal thing. Montanon is over the fucking moon because now he can take and he can run with it. And his racism is is supported. His dumbass theory of four independent human species that can happily interbreed 
because that's how that's, that's how, how it works. How yeah. works. Um, Don't worry about it. And uh, for once, uh, America was on the right side of this when all of the American scientists were like, "Fuck! What the fuck are you talking about?" They're like, "No, this is stupid. Read the bell curve. It makes way more sense." <laughs> hey, that won't be published for another like sixty years. Okay, we'll wait for it. It's gonna be good. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's gonna be the, it's gonna be like the Snyder cut. It'll be so much better than this bullshit. <laughs> The, yeah, it's going to be longer and, and even worse. Yeah. The, the bell curve really is the standard cut of racism. Yeah. It's like, we, we took this dumb version that was dumb, but you could go, ah, it's dumb. Like, we already knew, like, eugenics and IQ was already, like, pretty, pretty bunk. But what if we try again? What, what if we make it so much prettier? Worse. What if there's more? Oh, yeah, it's an- an- another more. two uh, another two hours of footage and throw in Jared Leto. It's going to be great. Fun fact: oh, uh, the author of the Bell Curve, both authors of the Bell Curve, their mothers' names were both Martha. So <gasps> there you go. Oh, yeah. whoa! It's, uh, that that doesn't together. get talked about enough. That doesn't get talked about enough. So the only reason that we are talking about this today, the only reason that this creepy ass photo was in the cryptozoology book, is in the cryptozoology books. Is because of a fucking Nazi. Okay? Yeah. That's... I can't... When I discovered that, like, I couldn't... It was one of those, like, I can't cry, so I'm gonna laugh. Like... That's that. That's been a lot of things yeah. recently. You've got you've got all these people who are just like, oh, cryptid wiki. Deloitte's ape will tell the same story we read as we were kids, and this this wiki over here about Deloitte's ape, we're going to tell the same story we read as kids. And I just had the presence of mind to Google George Montandon, and he has like a two page Wikipedia article that redirects to the article about the 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 exhibition, the um the fucking what well, I forget what it was called, but yeah, the exhibition. The, and like, oh my god, yeah. he did this. He did. Oh, it's based on a book he wrote. Now I need to find that fucking book and like nobody ever they, they just stop when they see the monkey picture and they and and it's way more interesting to know that a whole bunch of people are essentially repeating nazi propaganda yeah <laughs> whenever they talk um, about this dumb monkey that is really <laughs> bad and yet yeah not it's not as surprising as it no, should be no uh, everything comes back to Nazis these days. It, it all like. comes it's, back it's, to Nazis yeah. these days. <clears throat> oh, boy. Yeah. So there is an odd postscript. It's a surprisingly recent postscript to all of this. I mentioned a bit ago that we would come back to maybe the tail was cut off and not just hidden behind the crate. In yeah. 1999, a Venezuelan science journal, journal called uh, Interciencia published a 1962 letter that was sent from a Dr. Enrique Tejera to the editor of uh, a Brazilian magazine, or maybe it's Venezuela. Anyway, it was a magazine. It was a, a South American magazine called Diario El Universal. So, now this, I found this in a couple of different sources. Uh, I couldn't, inter, uh, Interciencia, this online archives only go back to like 2008, so I couldn't like confirm, confirm this, but th- th- this supposedly happened. So in 1962, Dr. Enrique Tejera claimed uh, in this letter that he worked on the expedition with Deloitte. He was down there with the Colin Company trying to look for oil. And that Deloitte was a well-known prankster among the men on the team. Like, he'd goof off, he'd play practical jokes. They, he was really funny, loved to tell jokes. And yeah. one day, uh, somebody gifted Deloitte a spider monkey. They just okay. gave him a spider monkey. Uh, and the monkey's tail was diseased. Doesn't specify how it was diseased, but he did specify that it had to be cut off. 
Uh, and Deloys took this monk, this this uh, newly tailless spider monkey as a pet. He named him uh, the Monkey Man. So El El Hombre Mono is, I guess, what he called him. And he took it everywhere with him. And when the monkey died, he put it on a crate, put a stick under its shin, he took a picture, and the rest is history. Yeah. And <laughs> Dr. Tahara yeah, ends his letter with, finally, I must warn you, Montandon was not a good person. After the war, he was executed because he betrayed France, his homeland. All right. Yeah. All right, right then. Pretty good. So we have kind of a happy ending. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> Deloys himself, not so much of a happy ending. He died at only 42 or 43. He died pretty young because he went to Iraq on a subsequent uh, expedition and caught syphilis. Oh, so oh no. He died of syphilis. Whoa, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But George Montandon, the shitty American ape uh, racist uh, Nazi anthropologist, was executed post-war, which is which is pretty great. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm I, happy with I have collaborator. I, uh, I have no notes yep. on that part. <laughs> good, good on you guys. Uh, I, I normally at this point we follow up with a real animal that is cooler than the fake animal we just talked about. But this one was so long and involved. I decided we don't we don't need a real animal this time. We'll just say our real animal is spider monkeys. They're cool. Some of them don't have yeah. thumbs. That's kind of neat. So, yeah, that's the story of Deloy's ape. Deloy's ape and the nazi who made him famous that is um i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't going in expecting more nazis neither I no probably, I, neither was I. I i i like i said i was going in expecting it was going to be a uh, spider monkey and we goof on it for 20 20 or 30 minutes and it's so it's i did not fucking plan this for like oh hey the, the guy from behind the bastards is going to be on the show let's look for a nazi monkey no it was oh. complete serendipity <laughs> <laughs> well, Give that guy a break, Don. I'm like, so glad this all day long for the poor guy. He wants is. to talk about Star Wars for an hour, and you're like, "Hey, let's talk about some awful racist stuff." In fact, let me tell you about this, could... this this Nazi ape from the 20s. Yeah, I it could I could never escape. This is this this is my life now, and I may as well embrace it. Um, yeah, yeah, just don't embrace it the wrong way. <laughs> Don't go to yeah. Don't no, go to and buy a new and bag swastika flag. No, I'm thinking of embracing it in the other direction. That's the best way to embrace it. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's kind of it's kind of been my whole bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh shit. Do you not know his origin story, Don? The origin? No, the uh, origin of Deloitte's ape or the origin of Garrison? I don't know. I. They're both oh. shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Right. But one of them you can hear about almost in real time on podcasts. Yes. <laughs> the other one, the other one, you, you have to download a questionable neo-Nazi PDF. <laughs> and learn about the worst carnival ever imagined. Yes. Yes. I keep getting, I keep getting mailers from something called Stormfront. What is that, Don? <laughs> I... I'm 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 I'm, I'm a, leaving the call. It's a really good Billy about, Joel album. It just it's got that's we didn't start the fire is the only clunker on the whole album. It's got fucking When in Rome, but it's got Stormfront. It's got uh, Nor'easter Alexa. Good album, except for we didn't start the fire. That's that's it. That's all you need to know about Stormfront. Okay. Now that I think about that it, sounds, that sounds like a like a Nazi thing. The I album cover of Stormfront has a red flag with a white square on it, which is probably. A, it's, it's, oh, is it a band? It's, no, it's Billy Joel. 
Oh. It's an album called Stormfront. I'm not making that up. My dad was oh, the was... first CD my dad ever bought for me. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he has an album called Stormfront for like 88. So. Um, that sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. 80, from 88 to Jesus Christ. Because he's the guy who's like gone on record saying, man, if I was younger, I'd be out there like last summer. He was like, I'd be out there kicking the shit out of these Nazis. Yeah, he did say that. Because <laughs> yeah, Billy um, Joel did, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he's not drunk and driving his car into buildings. Say, like, uh, I, I feel more like he'd hit him with his car. Right. <laughs> he's, he's a then, like, cool dude. Find I'm out not, about it later. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Billy Joel what to do when he wants to take care of Nazis. I'll let yeah. him do it. He's older I'll than... St- I'll stand back and watch. Yeah, he's, he's old. He's experienced. He he plays a mean piano. Um, he was the I, only I feel, man... I feel like... As scary as the right will make Antifa out to be, if Billy Joel runs over some Nazis with his car, I I don't know how I don't know what the media reaction would be. Yeah, because like it's Billy Joel and they're like waving around a swastika flag. We're kind of just gonna let Billy Joel go. I think we're yeah. gonna be like, yeah, all right, all right, Billy Joel, musical musical darling, a uh, world famous Billy Joel, the piano man, ran over seven Nazis in his Cadillac this afternoon and. Uh, uh, he he got some judge who said something about well they let Meyer Lansky get away with it so that would be the best day the best day to find out that Tucker Carlson is a massive Billy Joel fan <laughs> and he's just the, sitting there the, like one of the funniest things about this year so far is the Mumford and Sons guy yes. getting kicked out of the band for liking ostensibly of like of. A far right text. Yeah, yeah. It, well, he he loved Andy Noe's book, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, yeah, it's ostensibly, right? uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. ostensibly far right propaganda. He's I, like, wow, what a great book! And then he's I, he. I, I, I read an article a few days ago. And it's like he has decided to step down to reconsider some beliefs or something. Yeah. It was like the quote. I'm like, like yeah, I, okay, bruv, you got to get up out this band. You can't ride around on segways in the brightly multicolored band uniforms with us in the videos anymore. I don't know if they're from the East End. I had a friend who tried to get me into them, like when they first hit the scene, and I was like. This is too twee for my tastes. So yeah, I'm I've, glad I've never been a that. fan, so I I feel no loss here. Yeah, but like if I if I ever found out that like anybody from Green Day was a Nazi, then that that would hit me in my '90s boy heart. But. It seems seems <laughs> seems a little unlikely based on what Green Day was yeah, doing back g- then. Given given that American Idiot is an album that exists, pro- yeah, probably yeah. not. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're probably Obama liberals. If I had to guess at this point, but Pro- yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been a proud boy false flag for thirty years. But <laughs> they yeah. had a presence of mind to get behind. They get out there and the Way drummer's like, isn't racism Trey cool? Get it? Because that's his name. Yeah, Trey, is- yeah. I don't know anything about Green Day, yeah, so whatever. I just know that they made American Idiot, and that's yep. about it. All right. So, um, shoot, we're at like an hour. This is actually not our longest episode. Um, that's fine. Wow, there we go. Yeah. If, uh, if, we want to, if we want to lighten the mood by talking some more shit about uh, Kevin J. Anderson's Star Wars novels or something. <laughs> or like, oh, so, so Blake, you back. were going to ask him something. You had a well, specific okay. Star Wars question for him last week. Okay, all right. I, I don't yes. remember now. Uh, he, uh, we would like to know your opinion of bringing Luke Skywalker into second season of The Mandalorian. Oh, right. I was, yeah. Oh, in, 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 into second season. Yes. Um, First of all, have you seen the second season of The Mandalorian? Yeah, yeah, I've okay. seen it all, okay. and I've, I've ranted about this on a few podcasts. Let's try to let's try to let's try to like 
make it less ranty and more um, okay. in, 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 intelligible. Let's see. So I, I'm I'm a really big Jedi Luke Skywalker fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have a few Jedi Luke cosplays. I I I, I, I like I, I like his arc in Episode Six a lot. Um, yeah, pr- pr- pretty big Luke Skywalker fan. I liked how he's always like more of a nerdy farm boy, and whenever he tries to be badass, he kind of fails at it. Yeah, that always that I always just enjoyed that about him. Um, cause yeah, you know, in a, in a world full of so many, you know, buff Marvel heroes, it's more fun to see kind of, you know, like a twink with a lightsaber, right. uh, being the hero of a story oh, what, instead of, instead of like, you know, Chris Evans getting jacked up and stuff. When, when, um, uh, when Jedi, when the, no, when the special editions came out, I saw an interview with Mark Hamill where he was like, yeah, I really, really wanted that when Luke showed up in, in Return of the Jedi, he'd just be wearing like badass armor and he'd have like scars on his face and just like an alligator claw earring. But and no, like, no, he just, I, I just yeah. like, he's the same twink, but in a black tunic. Yeah. In a, in a, in a, in a, in a snazzy black suit so like I, I always really liked that aspect of luke um i have my own kind of criticisms of mandalorian as like as a show um but what they yeah what they did again okay, so spoilers for the finale of mandalorian we've already spoiled it on this show <laughs> all right oh, um yeah. yeah so like as soon as the x-wing was docking into the into the base or the ship i was like okay i know what's going on here i've read enough ex- expanded universe books mm-hmm. that I, I know what's going on um so yeah, I wasn't in terms of. Uh, I mean, I, I I went to film school. I didn't go to journalism school. Um, so like in terms of like pacing, I think just the choice to bring in a Deus Ex Machina kind of ruins the the, the pacing of that episode because uh, we're building stuff up. So you're building stuff up so much, and and, Man, and Mando as a character is never really has like a good challenge. Um, he's always kind of a little bit overpowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was cool in that episode because he actually had a challenge. Like the the robot droids were actually you know quite difficult. But what what he got at the but he at the end of the episode he now how he now had the dark saber. So actually you could imagine him actually taking some out now. Um, so I was excited you know like watching watching the episode you know go, go up in tension mm-hmm. uh, actually feel like there's stakes like okay wow Mando and a whole bunch of people are gonna have to fight off all these dark troopers now using the dark saber and stuff this will be interesting to watch and then it just was the day of six mock and I'm like all right so that that, that kind of lets me down a little bit um, the other aspect is that I don't like how they made Luke into like a super badass uh, f- like fight lightsaber twirly guy <laughs> yeah they, they um, did the rogue one hallway scene but with luke they, they did yeah. yeah and that shouldn't be what luke is to me like to me luke's always way more thoughtful um he's more he, he's more compassionate he's more empathetic he was way too aggressive in this now obviously they made the bad guys droids so right. that luke could just go hog wild on them um because if he was with the stormtroopers we would be like uh uh buddy yeah <laughs> i know they're yeah. stormtroopers but still we're, we're- we're deep enough into the timeline. They're probably conscripts. Yeah, like it's it was, it was like a very like Luke was never a, was never a brutal fighter, um, and he was extremely extremely brutal in that fight scene. He was way more kind of he was way more shot to look badass. He was doing like all like the prequel like spinny stuff. Like he he was fighting a lot like how Anakin fought in Episode Three. And mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't quite sit well with me, based on s- someone who likes the more kind of nerdy aspects of Luke, and how Luke kind of refused to be a badass. Um, and now, yeah, see, seeing the, seeing the badass Luke, I was I was I, I was a little less l- less than enthused. Um, the CGI is a whole other issue. Yeah. I wish they would just cast um, Sebastian. Stan. Exa- yeah, I said the same thing. He looks exactly like young. It'd be- 
It'd be uh, much better because, like, at, le- at least the eyes would look alive. Yeah, because like they just need better. Yeah. They need better uh, face swap stuff because I mean it's difficult. Try it's trying for to whatever do whatever reason yeah. Disney like the Disney face swap isn't as good as other ones. Well, their their de aging is phenomenal. Like in the Marvel movies, the de aging is re- it's, it's really yeah. really good. It's good. And I just learned today that in WandaVision, which Blake, I don't I don't know if, I don't think you've watched. I it. haven't seen. I, it I don't yet. know if you've seen any of it, Garrison. The Vision does not like they don't put Paul Bettany in android makeup i thought for sure he was in the seat for like six hours every day it's all cg and it looks completely seamless it's like the best kind of cg where you assume yeah. that it's a practical effect so i mean some other stuff is good i just don't think that mandalorian is getting the budget to pull no, off they, some they, of they not. did not they did not spend it on the luke either yeah. deep fake or face replacement <laughs> what, 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 whatever they did deep fake um it, it definitely. They, sorry, they, the I think, I think they blew it on the. I think they blew it on the um, the uh, crate dragon. Honestly, like that was their. Big, I mean, sure, yeah, yeah, that was that was a yeah. pretty big effect. But like, also, like trying to rather than trying to replicate human lip movement, uh, human lip movements, trying to replicate lighting and the eyes are just extremely are just very hard mm-hmm. and oh, it's monstrously the, difficult. Yes, yeah, so like the, the the look that I saw definitely fell into the uncanny valley. And for some people, like, they thought it was fine. I definitely got freaked out by it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I would rather they do something else, but yeah, if if if, if they are going to do it, you know, in Mandalorian season three, I, I hope they can maybe just get Sebastian Stan, just so we can have like someone with an actual lifelike face. Right, and then like if um, he needs to move, he can, he can move. <laughs> he can move. He, he can actually move like a person. Because like yeah, like the Luke, the Luke is incredibly stiff when we see his right. face, and then incredibly like flowy and spinny um, when he has his like dumbass yeah. hood up um I, I'm, yeah. I'm like i'm totally with you on like luke not having to be a badass because blake you may you may disagree i have some friends who disagree but i loved the ending of episode eight the fact that he it's my favorite star wars movie it's from it's my favorite too nobody else likes it like blake you think it's fine i have like multiple friends who despise it i thought it was great because he didn't have to fight and no. all the clues were there it was, it was the most jedi like thing yes. you, you could do you're trying to apologize to someone you traumatized but you don't want to actually even even be capable of hurting them um and it's, it's like the most yeah it's the most jedi thing you can do is sacrifice yourself in a way to try to help somebody else and, without even without the possibility of trying to like hurt them further it, it like it completely like tracks it. with what he did at the end of jedi when he like he looked at his yeah. arm he looked at vader's hand he just chopped off and was like what nope i would rather die than become this yeah, I think everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know a lot of people on the left who really like the Last Jedi, um, and the the majority of audiences actually do like Last Jedi. But there's a lot um, of vocal like it was, it was like in terms of action for regular people, it was actually it was actually you know very high. Um, there's like a sector of like I would say centrists and people on the right who are upset at the movie for various reasons, who then make you know long YouTube videos talking about how there's girls in it. Ish, yeah, there are the, China the, ladies in space. What's going on? Yeah, they're they're upset that Poe isn't allowed to do whatever he wants. They're upset mm-hmm. that a woman is in is is in a higher spot of power than he is. They're upset that Rose is teaching Finn the hero from the last movie. They're they're, 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 upset, this, like, they're upset that this like random nobody Asian girl is teaching our hero lessons. They're yeah. Uh, yeah, like there's a lot of reasons that you know that someone may feel bad watching it and then try to find reasons to justify that kind of hatred afterwards. She's not even an Asian model. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a friend who said, I, uh, I think he put I, it really I, well. I loved the Luke arc. Oh yeah. Luke. I thought the Luke arc yes. was like the best thing. Really. The only like really good, great thing about um, the last three. Uh, yeah. The Luke, the Luke arc was, <laughs> yes. was well done. 
I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like, I, I don't know why you would want Luke to be still some kind of legendary badass. Because, like, that's not how people work. You know, like, like there's almost like a perception that our, he- our heroes in fiction need to exponentially gain power as they get older. They need to always get more powerful and more strong. And, like, that's not how people work. Uh, like, watch, excuse me, I would, I would like you to, ref- to like to refer you to the historical documentary uh, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball. That is <laughs> exactly how people work. There's always, there's always another level you have to get to. Vegeta and Goku keep breaking through their plateaus, and they just keep turning their hair different colors. And, and I love it. You've got to train for like a season to get more yeah. powerful so you can yeah. be the big bad of that season. Yeah, it's like I think a lot of people were going into Star Wars expecting another Shonen. And like yeah. that's not really what Star Wars actually was. Like there's, there's, there's a little bit of that in A New Hope, but even still, that's not – that doesn't really quite – fit exactly with what we you know currently think of as the shonen genre mm-hmm. um yeah but so i i i, I it's, my, it's my favorite star wars film i like i like the politics in it um i like how luke is actually a complicated person with trauma not just some like you know you know uh, white hat hero uh yeah I, I, i've never heard a criticism of the film that i couldn't like rebuke outside yeah. of like maybe there's some pacing issues in the middle yeah but like, even then i think it's i think it's fine i um I I like that it made the prequels better in hindsight because yes. Luke recognizing that the Jedi order the Jedi were sucked. terrible they were terrible yeah. something I don't think George realized when he made the prequels I think like the Absolutely fact that not. they caused all of their own problems he didn't I don't think he really noticed that no and and no. The, the fact that Ryan Johnson did and put it in Luke's mouth I'm like oh well now if we pretend that everything bad about them was intentional because the Jedi <laughs> suck. That now now they're way better. Yeah, it's it's great. I I I love the Yoda parts in Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. I love that they I love that they made a puppet again. Yeah. Oh, I love. I love yeah. I love the lessons that Yoda is teaching Luke still. Um, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's 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 a wonderful film. The more I think about it, the more just happy I get. Yeah, um, I'm the same I'm not, way. I like. I, I, well, I, I'm a little I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that. The puppet Yoda made me tear up a little bit. Oh, same me here. too. Yeah. It was wonderful. I was, so like, I was like, "Oh, it's him!" Yeah, it's actually him. It's not some CGI goblin. It's actually our. It's actually our friend Yoda, yeah. who's like who's like back to being a prankster who also gives really good advice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I loved how it's like the 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 trailers made it seem like it was going to be a movie about fuck all the history of Star Wars. And, and it, it's actually like, the opposite of that. It's, it's about like a, learning. It's a, yeah. It's such a really, that's such a shallow reading of it where yep. we're like, okay, Yoda's like, yeah, I burned the historical documents. They're not that important. But then at the end we see that they they're still like, exist. No, they're not. Yeah. yeah. Yoda knew what he was doing. Yeah. A lot of people look at the film and they're like, oh, I don't like it. How like, cause like the film's like saying we should forget all about all the history of Star Wars. And we should just like move on and like reset everything. And like, no, that's not what the film is saying. The film is saying you need to acknowledge the past and use it to be better in the future. It's not, it's, not, it's, not saying to, to it. it's not saying to forget it. It's saying to remember it mm-hmm. and learn from it so we don't make the same mistakes again. That's what it's saying. Like, the only person who's saying actually forget the past is Kylo, the villain of the film. <laughs> now, Luke, Luke says something similar at the beginning, but at the end, he says the opposite. He's like, no, I'm not going to be the last Jedi. There's going to be more of us, and we're going like, to learn from our failings in the past. I, uh, man, yeah. it's, 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 a pretty, it's the only Star Wars movie that really has subtext, I think. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. I and will then, agree. And then, then JJ JJ came back in and he's like, "Oh uh, no, actually the mystery boxes were important and so we are going to I, retcon yep. everything." I, and, yeah. and like I hate it. 
Nine, nine was one that I left the theater going, that was fine. And the more I thought about it, the more I disliked it. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that, that, that was, that was, that was kind of the, it was the opposite of the last Jedi. When I left the theater, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, that was actually great. And for nine, <laughs> it was opposite. I'm like, all right, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, wait, no. This is actually the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, like, and it sends a uh, whole bunch of bad messages to children. Like, Clone Palpatine uh, was based on, like, uniformly, I, I know. The wor- like, the fucking worst comic book Star Wars the ever worst, did. The worst Star Wars <laughs> Dark, Dark expanded Empire fiction. Was, it was so bad. Like, it was so bad, like, even art-wise, that the guy who drew Han never drew him the same panel to panel. Like, he looked radically different on different... And I have read Dark Empire probably, oh, 20 times. Because it came out when I'm I was, so like, sorry. 12 or 13. I was, like, right in the sweet spot yeah, of yeah. Star Wars nerd. Oh my god! But they're like, no, no, had, that that plot element is great. I had a huge problem with. Oh, there's like a hundred new star destroyers just hanging fully out, cr- fully why, crewed. Why are they, they all there? Have a death cannon in them. What, what are they doing with them? Why does Kylo want them? What's his motivation for getting them? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Why do no they have, one knows. Why do they go on an Indiana Jones like artifact hunt to find? Where did they make all those. Yeah, it's so it's so dumb, and I hate how. Like Ray's whole thing is trying to is like her, her her like her biggest fear as a character is being alone, um, and you know so she was always trying to you know find a meaning in others. That was like that was like what he was trying to get. And Last Jedi actually taught her a lesson about how you should you can you know you can you don't need to find meaning in others in terms of like your fam- family's past. Mm-hmm. You you can like make your own family. You can grow as a person in that way. You don't need to be alone. You can grow positively and you you, you don't need to keep relying on this family that left you. Um and then episode 9's like, "Nah." And then by the end, the only person Ray became really good friends with dies. And she and she ends the film being alone on another desert planet, but not in like a productive, like full circle, I improved way. She's just alone again. And it sucks. And and you know that JJ was like, okay, last line is gonna be Ray Skywalker. Cause remember when everybody was like teared up when <laughs> when Downey Jr. said I am Iron Man. It's like that. It's going to be like that. It's going to be great. It's going to complete her arc. And like, no, it's but just out it's, of nowhere. It's rever- it's re- <laughs> and it's reverse character development. She, 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 if you wanted to actually have development, she should say, like, cause, yeah, cause like it, that, that whole thing was like pivoting back to episode seven where someone asked her who she is and she says, Ray, and like Ray who? And she's like, just, just Ray. Ray. Meaning like, yeah, I, I, I don't have family. My family is gone. It's just me. So what she should have, what would be actually char- good character development is that when someone asks her what her name is, she says Ray and, and then someone's like, uh, Ray what? And she's like, no, just, just Ray. Ray. But it's like happy and like someone who is content with she's, that. Yeah, she's okay That's actually it. character development because you're saying the same thing but it has, totally, it has another – a totally different meaning because now she's still relying on this kind of family legacy thing that she was trying to get away from. And it, it's, it's terrible. I, I'm very – yeah. yeah I, I think it's a bad film. And it, Palpatine and, yeah. is very silly. <laughs> Having Lando um, in it for it was just fan service. I, I will say there's there's one thing that is dumb, but I kind of appreciate it. The fact that the Knights of Ren just kind of hovered in the background, like like the extended bad guys in an anime. Like they just yeah. all had different ridiculous giant weapons and stupid ridiculous armor, and they were pulled right out of a fucking medieval. Like they were pulled right out of Berserk, basically. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. They were they were very silly. Um, I know. I, I got more frustrated after I read the uh, Duel of the Fates script 
Um, so because because initially Colin Trevorrow was going to write and direct episode uh, episode nine, uh, but then, <laughs> and then he, Jurassic he got fired. Fall and Kingdom yeah. came out. Oh no, Book of yeah. Henry was it really did it? That horrible, yeah. horrible. Yeah, Book of yeah. Henry came out. Yeah, and so and then Disney fired him and got J.J. Abrams. But the Duel of the Fate script is so much better than than the episode than our current Rise of Skywalker script. Um, Luke's character arc continues and it's wonderful. Luke, act- I, I I really was looking forward to like Luke, um, like haunting kylo to try to continue like helping him and teaching yeah, him lessons because because awesome. the last thing luke get luke says to uh, to kylo is see you around kid and i'm like mm-hmm. oh luke's gonna be a force ghost and he's gonna be haunting kylo that doesn't happen in the film but it does happen in the in the original duel of the fate script um ray has a much better character arc in that film kylo is a better character arc in that film i don't like how he isn't i i, I don't like how he, he he still dies. I, I would rather him not die, but um, he still dies in that film. But it's still it's still an improvement upon what happened in Rise of Skywalker. Um, and Ray, I don't know, I know, um, Finn and uh, Rose are not sidelined. They actually get to do fun stuff. Hux isn't. Hux gets to be a fascist, and our heroes get to beat Hux. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's it, it's actually it, it's it's a wonderful script that I would have loved to see turn into a in, in, into I, the film. I got to read this fucking screenplay. Is it available online? <laughs> Yeah, you you can you can find nice. it online. There's certain there's currently an, an, an independent artist turning it into a comic book. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you can also you can find like good like summaries of it on different different websites and stuff. Um, yeah, it's actually. I mean, it, it definitely has its problems, but I think it's a far superior product than what we got out of. Uh, out of JJ. As of, I think just two weeks ago, Ryan Johnson still like still said that his other Star Wars trilogy is still happening, but COVID put it yeah. on the back burner, which is yeah. cool. I'd like to see what he would do because I think he would, I he would not pay any attention to the Skywalkers in a new trilogy, which Star Wars no, desperately it's needs. It's gonna be it's gonna be completely different. Um, I mean, I, I think right now he's working on the sequel to Knives Out. Um, <sighs> Hell yeah, he is. So that so that's what he's doing right now. And then after that, he may go back to Star Wars. His, um, he, he, but he, I, yeah, I've 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 loved every film he's made. Same um, here. I think I think he's a great director. I think he's a good storyteller. Um, I probably disagree with his politics on a lot of stuff, <laughs> um, but in general, I think he's in the right direction. Um, yeah. And yeah, and Knives Out was a wonderful political piece. You know, that's set. You know, in like the. 2018 political kind of right. situation with the masturbating nazi child with the, with the nazi child <laughs> masturbating in the bathroom yeah, yeah. Uh, I, he 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 joked on twitter a couple of years back and i just desperately hope he does this and it wasn't just a joke that hey i'm gonna write the sequel and every sequel benoit blanc is gonna have a different over-the-top accent and i'm never going to address it oh god that's brilliant <laughs> well, uh... fucking do it it would be so funny. Uh, but like, but, no, so, but uh, honestly, yeah. I, 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 I'm not a huge Daniel Craig fan, but I do love listening to him talk in that accent. Yeah, dude, the foghorn um, leghorn accent. It is. It was. It's really fun to hear him talk like that and not in a British accent. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Good movie. All right, boys, we are at 133. Um, I'm going to call it. Does anybody have any final thoughts about Star Wars and or Nazi monkeys? Real quick, I did really enjoy the meme of Bill Burr getting a better star stormtrooper arc in like ten minutes than poor Finn got over three three movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that 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 goof a lot because it's very true. Especially because yep. Bill Burr like vocally talked he talked shit about Star Wars for years. Yep. Yeah, I, I, Bill, Bill Burr in the Mandalorian is maybe my favorite part of the Mandalorian. Actually, yeah. he is he is incredible in that series. As, as criticisms as you may have of him as a stand-up comedian um, in the Star Wars series, I think his character is pretty good. Yeah, he's he's one of those like he's one of the many proofs that doing comedy teaches you to be a great dramatic actor in ways you wouldn't expect. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. Well, I think um, I'm going to play us out with some of our uh, our patented uh, royalty-free music. Actually, no, open? Garrison, tell, tell everyone where to find you online. Plug yourself. Um, if you want to check out my Twitter where I occasionally do different, you know, reporting on protests, uh, far-right stuff, um, that is at Hungry Bowtie. Um, also, I, I, I occasionally host and guest on Behind the Bastards. Um, podcast with Robert Evans, and then also I put together me and Robert Evans and a few other fine folks put together a podcast series on the Portland 2020 uprisings called called Up- Uprising: A Guide from Portland. So those are my podcasts, and then also also my Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you again for doing this. This is a lot of fun, and um, I'm gonna here, here's what I'm gonna do. I am now gonna play us out with some of our patented royalty free music I downloaded from a free music website. Wait, yay! Here we go. Where is it? Oh, that's this one. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, I just got like seven of these, and I pick a random one every time. Nice. That's pretty pretty comfy. Ladies and gentlemen, crank this down a little bit. Uh, You can find us online at The Hidden Zoo on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Hidden Zoo. I think we have an Instagram that I opened forever ago and never did anything with, maybe. And you can email us at HiddenZoo69 at gmail.com. Nice. Yeah, Hidden Zoo was already taken, so 69 nice so we went nice. with that and uh until next week or the week after whenever we actually have time to do another podcast uh, thank you for listening and we appreciate you and tell all of your friends about us thanks again garrison do you want to buy some death sticks no go home and rethink your life 